I'm excited to announce today on Vitality Radio a very unique uh, guest that I'm bringing to the show who was introduced to me just a week ago uh, by uh, someone who has become a mutual friend. And I once I was given the email saying, hey, this would be an interesting topic to discuss on Vitality Radio, I jumped on a website called 10 letters.org. That's one zero letters.org. And I read the letter that is on the front page there. And I'd like you to do that um, as soon as you're done listening to this episode, because everybody that is listening to this episode right now needs to read that letter on 10letters.org and needs to, in my opinion, uh, do uh, follow the steps to uh, do what is uh, requested on that page. I'll talk a little bit more about, well, a lot more about that with my guest. And so without further ado, Dr. Richard Fleming is joining me on Vitality Radio. Dr. Fleming, welcome to the show. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. What you're doing, in my view, is as important as maybe anything that's happening right now in this uh, crazy world that has uh, seemingly turned upside down over the last couple of years uh, since COVID struck. And uh, But before we get into that, I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit to my listeners. Uh, give us a little bit of background and how you came to the place that you are today. So I'm a physicist, nuclear cardiologist, attorney, uh, I'm dumbing down my degrees. Uh, I, so I have my PhD in physics. I, I'm an MD uh, that went through um, standard medical college internship residency fellowship and then positron emission tomography training. And then I followed it up with a law degree. This is the end of my 54th year of doing research. And in January of 2020, when everybody uh, was beginning to hear about this viral infection going around, SARS-CoV-2 or severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2. Um, it, it struck my attention because back in 1994, I presented a theory at the American Heart Association explaining that the work that I've been doing for decades was not a complete understanding of diseases that are in the result of inflammation, blood clotting, or inflammatory thrombotic response diseases. Now, these are the diseases that cause inflammation in the body and blood clotting in response to too much of something being in the body. And that can be cholesterol or fats or fibrinogen, like protein little A. But in 1994, I introduced the concept that viruses and bacteria and other infectious agents could be the cause of this inflammation and blood clotting. And that if it came true uh, and was untreated, people would die from these diseases. Well, SARS-CoV-2, when it causes that inflammation and blood clotting, produces a disease known as coronavirus disease, first detected in 2019, or COVID-19. So that's the disease from it. And I knew at that point in time that if we were going to address this, we would not only have to figure out what drugs work to prevent the virus from infecting people and replicating itself. But we would have to deal with the inflammation and blood clotting at the same time. So <clears throat> in January of 2020, when I was in Los Angeles, I was actually sick uh, from the virus. Um, I was one of the fortunate few who got in there right away. 
And, um, but while I was doing that, I was putting together as much research information as I could to develop uh, a study to look at it. I also had already patented a method that allows us to measure what's going on inside the body. At the time, you have a problem, as well as if you're being treated. So that method is now called Fleming Method. I had a much better name for it, I thought, but people weren't remembering that. So everybody has just kind of changed <laughs> and called it now Fleming Method. So fine, I acquiesced. Um, but I set the study up to actually determine uh, what treatments work and what treatments don't, both for people who are infected and people who have the disease uh, when it gets further downstream. To understand that, though, I also did what I consider, you know, the term due diligence in law, which is to sort through what it is that I'm working with. You know, what is this virus? Where did it come from? And that, as I think many people uh, have now heard, um, is the result of research that was funded by the Department of Defense, National Institutes of Health, National Institutes of Allergies, Infectious Diseases, a variety of federal agencies in the U.S. Some other countries have also been involved with that. Thanks, thankfully, we didn't have to do this on our own. Um, Fort Detrick had had uh, a component in it. In fact, Fort Detrick last year tried to recruit me as a physicist to work. Um, in infectious diseases paid for by NIAID, so I thought that was kind of them. Um, <clears throat> the process of putting all that together, we, we actually uh, completed the research, we published it. It didn't get much attention, I think, for the uh, in, in 2021, when I think was when we first published it. I think we had some things that were published in late in 2020. Um, <clears throat> We've also taken a look at, at the consequences of, you know, the different drugs that are out there, which ones work, which ones don't, what the vaccines, the drug vaccine biologics actually do. Um, you know, I first talked about this in February of 2021 when we were looking at the vaccines and the vaccine efficacy and really analyzing the in-depth data and seeing if scientifically, statistically, what we're seeing is differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated people really was significant or not. Um, and then, you know, we've also done some work that uh, about a week and a half ago, we were told, and this morning, in fact, I got the final approval of uh, research that we did where we took blood from people who'd been vaccinated, who hadn't been vaccinated, people who been sick with, with SARS, people who hadn't been sick with SARS, and then under a microscope added Pfizer, Moderna, and Janssen vaccines independently to show people what these actually do when they hit the blood. And then we also actually looked at the vaccines under the microscope because there's a lot of misinformation that's out there. Um, there's enough bad things going on that we don't need to add misinformation to it. It just muddies the water and, and makes it more challenging to to explain to people what's really going on. So right. with all of that happening, it's very clear, hopefully, to everybody that this is not going to go quietly into the good night, that we have entered, uh, we're, you know, 35 and a half months now where we have entered a new world where uh, somewhat brazenly people are talking about the work that's been done in this area. 
uh, and continuing to do the work in this area. Um, you know, um, Days like at EcoHealth got another $650,000 grant this last year. Uh, the Boston and Florida universities showed that they had no problem doing gain-of-function research combining different parts of, the, of, of these coronaviruses. Um, the nuclear threat initiative uh, that was done in 2021, uh, you know, lays out the war game of what's it going to take for a no regret scenario. And it, and it uses a gain of function uh, monkeypox virus that was unleashed on the planet by a rogue nation. So it's very clear that uh, now they're very comfortable talking about what a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, they, they reported as not even reality, not even existing, gain of function, not, not an issue. So they're not slowing down. In fact, you know, they're learning based upon the, the responses that people give them. And, and um, you know, that's, that's what you do in that world, which is you, you play out a scenario, you watch your, your enemy's response, and then you play accordingly to that. And they have learned quite effectively during this period of time. And there's no evidence of them slowing down. So we have come to a place at an impasse where a decision has to be made. Um, <clears throat> what, if anything, can be done about the world that we now find ourselves in? And what, if anything, should be done about that? And there's a lot of people, as we were talking about before we went on the air, who are upset about a lot of the consequences that have happened. The quarantining, the masking, the interference with medical treatments, the um, promoting of, of uh, the drug vaccine biologics, all the things that have people upset, and I would argue rightfully so, are consequences of something that happened. And the something that happened was the development of these viruses. The importance of this is that these viruses are criminal actions. The development of these viruses are criminal actions. They violate the 1975 Biological Weapons Convention Treaty, which under Article 6 of the United States Constitution makes it the supreme law of the land. It violates a federal statute that was passed, 18 U.S.C. Section 175, which also talks about biological weapons. And in 175A, the statute, the law, states that when U.S. citizens are attacked by a biological weapon, the Secretary of Defense and the Department of Justice must intervene. They must act, and they're not. Now, at the state level, it's, it should be blatantly clear that the laws that have been violated are the deaths, the murders, the near deaths, the attempted murders, the manslaughter, the non-thought-out murders, reckless manslaughter, assault, battery, in those laws where that's applicable, coercion, false imprisonment, people were quarantined. That's false imprisonment. They didn't mm -hmm. violate the law. Um, coercion, perjury, um, treason by virtue of 
these individuals violating their oaths and going ahead and uh, building biological viral weapons that are in violation of the U.S. Constitution that they took an oath to uphold and defend. Those crimes are the crux upon which everything depends. As we were talking about beforehand, if you take the general population, and we are a relatively divided country and a relatively divided world, with a lot of people saying they're doing the best that they can. If you argue in court, and we've seen this repeatedly, and they don't even get to the courtroom, with cases being filed going against the vaccines or medical management or you name it, these cases fail because the people looking at them are looking at them, whether it's the judges or the defense attorneys or even the defendants, they're looking at it from the perspective of, but we didn't do anything wrong. We're doing the best we can do. And I think by and large, most Americans would agree that if somebody didn't do anything wrong and they're just doing the best they can do, you cut them some slack, right? Right, right. Because nobody's perfect. You know, Gandhi said being imperfect ourselves, we should remember to be kind to others. Mm -hmm. um, a good saying. Until you recognize that these are biological weapons that these people intentionally and knowingly built. And then if you take the vast majority of people that I would argue have acted out of the best interest in most cases for other people, what do I mean by that? Well, if you ask most people why they got vaccinated, why they went along with the quarantining, why they went along with things, they did it because most people, because they didn't want to hurt somebody else. Yep. That's a good characteristic of a human being. And you can't hold those people accountable. We have all, I think, most of us, tried to do what we thought was in the best interest of other human beings, the people we care about, and just people in general. Right. And that's why we find ourselves so strongly divisive on this. Once people recognize that the masking, the quarantining, the, the medication interference, the vaccines are all the consequence of a group of people that knew up front that they had done something wrong. Now your perspective changes. You approach the arguments with a different mindset. You realize that they're not innocent bystanders, but they are responsible. And these are the consequences of their actions the harm. Let's look at the numbers and what this really means. <clears throat> when people try to, you know, minimize this virus, these viruses, there's more than 1.1 million dead Americans from the disease COVID. That's more deaths than the United States military has lost in every war we have been in since we have been a nation and before we were a nation, since our inception. And we've been at war all but 18 years. The Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, 
you don't need to ask a question about whether it's correct or correct with only 10% or correct with only 1%. If I have to add one or two zeros behind something to get your attention, there's a problem because there are one and a half million accepted adverse events. There are more adverse events than the United States military has suffered casualties since our inception. There are 32,000 accepted vaccine deaths, which are more deaths than the United States has lost soldiers in every war we have fought except our five bloodiest wars. On the worst week of deaths on COVID, we've lost the same numbers. And on our average week, we lose more people than we lost at Pearl Harbor or Twin Towers. You start to ask a question. Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm glad you got that out. I think it's important for uh, someone listening right now to recognize a couple of things that you said that I think are really, really key that I want to make sure people uh, grab a hold of. One is that you you said, you know, if you have to put another zero or two zeros behind the VAERS numbers, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and, and I've heard a lot of that. I've heard a lot of people saying, well, you know, there's 32,000 deaths, there's 1.5 million reports, but it, that may only be 1% or maybe 10% of the total that are actually out there. But if that's 100% of the total that's out there, it's a devastatingly Mm -hmm. huge number, right? Yeah, Uh, absolutely. So we don't have to extrapolate those numbers. We can just take them at their, uh, as they are and recognize that this is massive in scope. And I think it's, it's difficult for people that haven't been directly impacted, at least in terms of their health or the health of a loved one, uh, to maybe wake up to the fact that there are millions of people that we know of that are suffering or who have died from this, even if it hasn't impacted you specifically. I find myself in that camp. I don't have a a loved one who's been, uh, well, let me restate that. I didn't have a loved one who had been impacted by this in terms of their health until I started interviewing people who I have now who I now call friends who have been damaged or who have lost uh, people. And if you don't find yourself in that camp, recognize that in terms of just the human equation of all of this, the the loss has been staggering. We all as a nation looked at 9-11 and said, you know, nearly 3,000 people, I, I think it was, and, and the, the gravity of that situation, how it impacted everybody and how divisiveness kind of went away for a moment here in this country, over 3,000. And not that it shouldn't have. 3,000 people is a lot of lost lives. But we're talking infinitely more than that when we look at these these numbers. And then the other thing I want to make sure is clear, too, and I, and I want to actually kind of ask this as a question because I want to make sure I understand what you're saying here. Essentially, what you're saying is there's all kinds of things that we could focus on in terms of wrongdoings, if you want to call it that, or things that weren't done as well as they could have been done during the pandemic and the response and everything else. But what it really boils down to is how did this happen in the first place? Where did coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, where did it actually come from and how did it come about? Is that what you're trying to get across? Exactly, because if it didn't exist, 
had it not gotten out, then none of these other scenarios would have happened. There'd be no consequences. There'd be no quarantining, no vaccination, no death, no injuries, no harm. Yeah. So start at the beginning uh, and, and how did it come across? So, so let's talk about that just a, a moment. In your view, based on, well, first off, I don't think you mentioned to me before we started recording, but I don't think you've mentioned it yet here during the interview. Um, you said that you've got, it was a big number. I think you said 4,700 different documents uh, that, that show where this, how this began, where it came from, the nefarious nature of it. Can you go into that a little bit? So, yeah, what I have is, what, 40, I think it's 4,715 documents or pieces of material that talk about viruses, talk about how viruses, uh, including SARS-CoV-2, cause heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, all the problems we see, different drugs that we know are available. For example, aloxostatin E64D is a drug that the United States uh, and, and China and other countries were looking at that uh, way back into 1982, that they showed prevented coronaviruses from infecting people or, or minimize the infection or, and helped reduce the inflammation of blood clotting, um, helped decrease, it helps decrease brain damage, this fog that people talk about, the neurologic mm -hmm. diseases. So. The material, it's a massive amount of material, but it's its the material that as a scientist like myself with 54 years of research, when you look at it, you wanna answer the questions. When, when we when we wanna talk about this virus or these viruses, for example, why are we seeing the health problems from them? So that you can we can show that, that it's real, the mechanisms are understood, which means there's treatments that are available which raises a whole host of questions. You know, they knew that these viruses cause these types of problems. Why would you develop a virus like this that causes these types of problems? You know, it affects right. the BRCA1 and 2 system. It affects the it affects the P53. It affects CD147. It affects a variety of pathways. We've known this. Why would you, I mean, this, this virus, the spike protein has four amino acids on it known as proline, arginine, arginine, alanine, PRRA, or the alphabet uh, initials for each one of those amino acids that are critical, that are called the furin cleavage site for this virus to infect. No other coronavirus on the planet has it. The, the HIV material that we have, the data on, on Xi Zhang Li inserting glycoprotein 120 there, the fact that I was working with the, the same type of receptor trying to understand inflammation and heart disease, inflammatory thrombotic disease and heart disease um, way back in the 90s. Um, it's, you know, showing the connectivity between the work that has occurred over time, the understanding of these pathways, and yet the development of these viruses that interact with these pathways. This is the type of, it's, it's a large and company, encompassing field, but what it does in the end is it says, can there be any doubt that anybody familiar in with the work in this area would not understand the consequences of what they're doing? And the answer is no, there is no doubt. They would clearly understand the consequences. And they were clearly investigating drugs for the treatment of these consequences. Um, 
this shows an intentional and knowing basis. Do we need all that? No, but that's me. I'm yeah, as a research scientist physician, this is what I do. Um, if I have a problem, I dig into it and I don't quit digging until I have the answers to my questions and, and the solutions to those, those issues. So, you know, do you all want to read 4,715 documents? <laughs> Go for it. Nope. You know, uh, uh, bear in mind, it took me 35 and a half months to, to acquire that. And I've, I've read these documents. Um, if you want to know why I'm not out there on, on more programs, A, I'm not interested. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on these programs because I need to ask people to stand up as Americans for other Americans who have been killed and maimed. Um, and that's what this is about. You know, we have a tomb of the unknown soldiers to right. recognize our military who've been lost that we can't identify. Remember those body bags in New York City and LA and other places, unidentified people? They have no identification, no, no. They are the unidentified civilians lost in this war. We have a tomb to our military and we expect people to respect the meaning of that. There is no respect that's been generated for the loss of these people. There are sad families. There are sad friends. There are loved ones left behind that will not be able to, to really deal with their losses if their losses aren't answered for accountability. We have 6.7 million people that have been lost in the world. Hitler massacred 6.6 .6 million Jews and others in concentration camps. We have memorials to that. We took them to trial and made them pay for that. We have no memorial for the people that have been harmed and injured and no accountability as of yet. Pearl Harbor, we went to war. We built a memorial, we went to war over that. Twin Towers, we built a memorial and we went to war over that to seek justice for the people that were harmed. We're at war. Trump put us at war in January of 2020 when he executed orders for emergency use authorization procedures. Those have not been rescinded. They, they stand in place today. Right. American soldiers and soldiers in general or neighborhoods and friends understand the responsibility of a human being protecting those around us. Soldiers will defend other soldiers in battle and drag them out of battle because they would want the same thing to be done to them. My father, when I was a boy growing up, the man next door would beat his wife frequently. She would scream out for my father. My father could have ignored it, but with our bloodline, he could not, Viking bloodline. He went next door and intervened, <clears throat> protected the woman. What we expect of other human beings is that when we are harmed, other people will come to our aid with the expectation that we will come to their aid 
when they are harmed. You do not need to know the 1.1 million dead Americans or the 1.5 million maimed Americans to act on their behalf. Because as they say, if you wait for a problem to come to your doorstep, if you turn a blind eye when the problem is not at your doorstep, by the time it gets to your doorstep, there will be no one left to come to your aid. It is the responsibility and the obligation of every American citizen to demand accountability for criminal actions that have killed and maimed so many Americans and so many people in the world. This is what the world expects of us, and they're waiting to see if the city that claims to be the shiny city, the country that claims to be the shining city on the hill, will in fact still be the shining city on the hill, or will it be the shining city on the hill that eventually stabs the world in the back and is the cause for the downfall and the harm to humanity. 10letters.org allows people to go on the site, takes a minute and a half of your life, enter your name, your address. It will generate a cover letter to both your governor and your attorney general. You download it, you print it out. In addition to that, you can print out the letter for indictment, which lays out the federal and the state crimes that these people have violated. And there's three links. One to the book is COVID-19, a bioweapon, a scientific and forensic investigation that I put together, not because I wanted to sell books, but because I wanted it on record in black and white, the crimes that have been committed, the monies where they came from, the research that's been published to show the crimes, the two patents that show, one, the Furin Cleavage site owned by the U.S. government, and two, the patent issued to Barrick that was funded by the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases with the express purpose of gain-of-function research of the spike protein of coronaviruses. Game, set, match, Dr. Fauci and your lies to Senator Dr. Rand Paul and the American people. Don't forget, when he lied to Rand Paul, he lied to every American citizen. Because Absolutely. they work for us. We don't work for them. So that, that document, there's an affidavit that's on there that lays out the early stages of all this. And there is a deposition of myself taken under oath by a legitimate real court reporter who identifies herself here in the state of Texas. That deposition was taken by an attorney who has argued before and won before the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And I will come to the attorney generals who file for indictments who go to a real grand jury, not the people out in the courtyard or the people on social media, the legitimate grand juries that U.S. citizens who vote, that are registered voters, have an obligation to be a part of if they're called to be a part of it, just like juries. Those grand juries are responsible for receiving information from attorney generals and district attorneys, prosecuting attorneys, the purpose of which is to say, ladies and gentlemen, I have this information, which you, as somebody signing on to 10 letters, will be able to send to the attorney general and district attorneys and governors. 
I need you, ladies and gentlemen, of the grand juries to issue a letter for indictment, which means a notification to these individuals that they are going to be charged with crimes that they will need to defend in court, in, in state courts and federal courts, to be held accountable for the dead, maimed, harmed Americans and people of the world. Well, I love everything you just laid out, because speaking for myself, the most frustrating aspect, I think, of all of this that's transpired over the last few years is a feeling of, I know there's a lot wrong with what's happened. I know a lot of people have paid the ultimate price. I know that there's a tremendous amount of um, of lies and deceit and crimes that have been committed, but I don't know how to do anything about it other than talk about it and educate people on it and try to stir up uh, at least a desire to do something about it. But what you've laid out and what you've arranged through 10letters.org appears to actually be a potential solution that could actually be the thing that we can all get behind and do something about it. And that I think I, I, I anticipate, as I said, I'm speaking for myself, but I hope that I'm speaking for a lot of other people when I say that. So what you're saying is with 10letters.org, it's all there. Everything that we need to start the movement of indictment is on the site and can be done literally in just a few minutes. Absolutely. And then once you've done it and mailed them in, then you have at least 10 friends, hence 10letters.org, 10 friends, 12 friends, 20 friends, send it in more than once, drive it in. There's over, there's right around 3,000 letters that have gone in so far. And we're getting a response. It's interesting to know that, you know, sometimes people want to say, well, the attorney generals in our state won't do it. Well, listen, with enough pressure, enough letters from the people, they will act on it. They will take it to the grand jury. Florida and Texas are by far leading the field. But the two states right behind them are California and Illinois. Right? Anybody who thinks that there is a state where the people will not respond, the reality is Americans are bothered in every state. And it doesn't matter who they voted for. This is not a political issue. This is an American issue. I 100% agree with that. And and frankly, that crossed my mind when you first mentioned it. It'll go to the AG and it'll go to the governor. Our governor hasn't been in here in Utah on any level, uh, in my opinion, useful uh, in the process, I guess is a good way to say, of uh, putting any kind of a stop or even a, 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 a caution on all of the things that have happened over this time. He's been pretty complicit in all of it, uh, in my view. But again, political pressure is, I think, what rules the day when it comes to this. And attorneys general are, are a little bit different as well. So what do you think really needs to happen? You mentioned that there's uh, around 3,000 so far. We hope to get that number, obviously, much, much higher, and I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. What do you think really needs to happen to make this a real movement that uh, takes root and does what it needs to do? I would like to see people 
not only fill out these documents and send them in and get them to their friends and send them in. I would like to see them. If you want to be on social media, record yourself mailing it. Share it with your friends. Put it on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is that you're on. You know, I'm not on everything. I don't have, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading documents. I, I don't have time to be on all the, all the different <laughs> social media um, platforms. But the more people hear about this, the more it's brought to their attention, the more, uh, the more the attorney generals and governors will know what the will of the American people are. This is a matter of now making a decision that this is the line in the sand that we want accountability. The jury's going to decide. It's not you sending it in who would decide, and it's not the AG who would decide. It's the jury, the American people, that would decide. And the more the American people know what happened, the more they will approach this from the perspective of their responsibility to find and hold these criminals accountable. Look, medicine and science was hijacked. It's been hijacked for a while. It's my duty to go after that, and I'll do that. But it's everybody's duty as an American citizen to demand that history record that what we did on these days were the right thing. Because history is recording already. History has recorded 35 and a half months. And I've shared in the book and, and in these documents, the decades of history that have been written. It's written in stone. It will not go away. I have the documents, some of which that have disappeared off the internet. That's sure. okay, folks. I've got them. They'll be there in court along with everything else. Um, we need the people to push on this. This is legal. This is lawful. This is what a civilized people do when they realize that they need to be held accountable. This is not a Nuremberg too. Nuremberg was Germany. The Germans didn't hold themselves accountable for that. That was the rest of the countries coming in to hold them accountable. Right. But in this country, in this country, we should be holding ourselves accountable. If we have any dignity or respect for the people who founded this country, including our parents and our grandparents, we owe it to them, in addition to the dead and maimed from this, to make certain that Americans are seen as answering for the responsibility of what happened. We don't need the rest of the world coming into the United States to hold the people in the United States who did criminal wrongs accountable. That's what we do. And we will either show the world that we live up to a standard that we keep telling the world we hold, or the rest of the world will continue to say, Americans claim they're for doing the right thing. Americans claim that they care about the planet and that criminals should be held accountable. Americans complain whether other countries do it. Will Americans hold Americans accountable for criminal actions? And the answer is being written as we speak. It will either be yes, 
and these will become our finest days so far, or it will be a devastating no, and I hate to see what will happen to the country and the world based upon the direction these people are going. I won't go quietly into the good night. I'm going to follow the system that was established for this country. I'm going to insist that the courts show the evidence to the jury this time and hold the real criminals accountable. I will not tolerate things being covered up or lied to. Not in the courts, not in mainstream media, there will be a day we will have these statements and people will know the truth. It will come out and it will come out a lot faster than the JFK document. (laughs) Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with anything that you're saying. It's absolutely necessary. We don't have a, we only have one good choice, and that is to hold these people accountable. And you have thankfully uh, put us into a position as uh, as a citizens, but not experts, to be able to do just that. So then, to uh, kind of wrap this up and and hopefully uh, get people the energy that they need to make this happen. I, I want to ask you this question. There are people listening right now to you saying, whatever I do, it's not going to make a difference. What's your answer to that? The same answer that every um, dictator and barbarian in history has been afraid of. There's not a single barbarian or dictator in the history of humanity that has stood against the people when the people decided to stand up and have their voices heard and take action. They have all been defeated. The reason they got defeated is because the people undoubtedly had the same perspective. We can't defeat that king. We can't defeat that dictator. We can't defeat that Nazi. But humanity has repeatedly shown the characteristics of standing up together as a people and holding criminals accountable. American citizens have been founded on those principles. We, more than any other country on this planet, have the right and the legacy to stand up and hold these people accountable. We are the remnants of other countries that fled to establish a free and just society. And we, the people, can, must, and will hold these criminals accountable. They are running. Watch their behaviors. They are panicked. You could see when just the information came out about the lab leak, how they panicked. These people are ready to throw each other under the bus. Watch it. Redfield left the CDC and declared that he may just be a virologist, but he didn't believe in the the natural occurring uh, process either. The truth of the matter is what these people fear most are you, the American people. They fear your standing up and having your voices heard. They are afraid that you will sign these documents on 10letters.org and endorse and demand that the attorney generals do their job. They are so deadly afraid of it, they will do whatever they can to distract you, including using people that you believe are on your side of the equation to throw more static and noise out there to distract you, to take your energy away from staying focused on the cause. 
any good general will tell you that to win a war, you must know who your enemy is and you must know what the end target is to accomplish success in the challenges before you. The goal, the turning point, the weak part in their chain are the criminal actions of them developing their viruses. And they are more afraid of you standing up as an American citizen, putting pressure on the AGs to come after them than you are of them. Yep, they've used fear to push us around for the last few years and create uh, a lot bigger problem for all of us here in America and worldwide. And yet they, I believe you and agree with you that they fear us uh, and certainly have need to fear us more than we have need to fear them. So the call to action is simple. 10letters.org. It will be linked in the show description on any podcast app that you're listening to. 10letters.org. Go to that page. Read the simple cover letter on that page. It gives you all the, the information you need to do. Follow the instructions and you are there. And then, perhaps even more importantly, share it with at least 10 more people, uh, but we all know more than 10 that we can share it with. Get it out there as quickly and as um, emphatically as you can. This is a critical time. I believe it is as big of a turning point in the history of this nation and this world as we've ever seen. That's my opinion. I think Dr. Fleming probably agrees with that to some degree. Yeah, we've got to do it. It's t- the time is now. And uh, so don't, you know, we're right here in the middle of the holiday season. Very, very, very easy to be distracted with all of the other things that are going on. And of course, distraction is, uh, it, it uh, takes us all at times. Don't be distracted from this. Uh, as soon as you're done listening, jump online, 10letters.org, and do what I believe, and Dr. Fleming, I know, believes is your duty as an American citizen and as a human being. An ancestor of mine, Captain Fleming, crossed the Delaware on Christmas Eve with George Washington. There is no time off. If you want to celebrate the holidays, have a real reason for celebrating the holidays. Religious reasons, also moral reasons to celebrate with your family what you are wanting for them and to hold these criminals accountable. Dare to cross the Delaware this Christmas Eve. You'll find the enemy on the other side just as unprepared for your crossing as they were when my ancestor and Washington crossed Delaware on Christmas Eve. I love that. I think that's a perfect way to wrap this up. Dr. Fleming, I appreciate you very, very much on a personal level, what you're doing for for this country, for this world. Uh, this effort is critical, and I couldn't possibly be stand, stand behind it uh, more than I do. I, I was convinced after just going to the site and uh, reading you had to say, and, and after interviewing you, I'm even more convinced than ever. So thank you for your time, for your effort, for your expertise on behalf of myself and those listening to Vitality Radio today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. 
In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.